Oh yeah, I'm Barry Moran, and you're listening to Mayo Are Back. How are we lads? Con Mort here, Mayo Are Back. Look at guys, you're listening to one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. It's Mayo Are Back. Angelina Nugent speaking, just wanted to say, and Mayo Are Back. Hello, this is Kim Jong-un, and welcome to the Mayo Are Back podcast. How do? Pope Francis here, Mayo Are Back. Mayo Are Fucking Back. Let them say what they like about Mayo people, but Mayo supporters are the best supporters in the world. Hello folks, how do? You're very welcome to Season 4, Episode 12 of the Mayo Are Back Podcast. It's hard to believe, isn't it? 12 episodes. What a year it has been. And Mayo, as of Sunday, if they were ever gone, are back. Mayo are back in an All-Ireland Final and that means that Mayo are back are also back for yet another podcast. I am joined... As usual, by a regular guest on this podcast, TJ, how are you getting on? How do, Fat Larry, and indeed, how do to one and all, to every single listener that has found themselves manifesting this podcast into their ears at this moment, how do to you all, you must be in a very special place. If you're half as baked as Fat Larry and I are, you'll be almost beside yourself with Mayo magic and Mayo excitement, as it were, at the moment. And it's a great time to be alive, to be back. It's a beautiful thing. We weren't necessarily gone for all that long, but we're very much back now, as it were. Very much so indeed, in my opinion. It just feels so sweet to be back in an All-Ireland final. We have been overcome by a complete and utter full-body Mayo fever. It has hit us like a green and red tidal wave, as followers of the page will have seen us. We were so half-baked after the game on Sunday. We had to drive all the way up to Ballinalak just to record our Instagram live, which went down very, very well. But you could just sense in our voices, I'm sure you heard it as well. We just couldn't wait a few days to record a podcast we just had to go straight away and just get it out there do you know it's unbelievable it's been three long years you know since we've been back in an all-ireland final and i suppose for us it was very emotional watching the game on sunday i don't think we've seen mayo play as well since the days of homely which made it all the more joyful but also tinged with a little bit of sadness as well Homely sympathisers like our good selves will know that, you know, when Mayo start playing well at this time of year, listen, it's nice, it's great to have it, but it just does bring the mind back and it makes the mind wander and you think about how far we've came and let's just relate things in terms of this podcast as it were. Back in 2017 we were so unwell that we felt the need to come down and start recording. We were in an all Arnold final that year. 2018 went and shot the bed unfortunately 2019 we got a little bit towards being back unfortunately we fell to the AIG blue dubs at that stage but in this instance at the time of recording we are very much back and we are in as David Brady would say pound for pound we are in the All-Ireland final one thing I am completely certain of and I am not certain of much in general but I am certain that Mayo are going to be playing Dublin on Saturday week in an All-Ireland final. And I am quietly confident, I have to say, having watched the way Mayo manifested their way through Tipperary with such minimal fuss and in such a stylish and fabulous way, I think we have got a real good chance now of beating Dublin. And we all know 
of the the barriers that are up against us, you know, the 16 million, 1.4 million people, a 69-year wait for Sam, 10 All-Ireland finals, 9 All-Ireland finals lost. You know, there's a lot in our way, but I think with this just fabulous group of players, pressure seems to be off. And I think we've said it here from day one, having no inbreds in the stands just seems to be suiting this Mayo team. You know, the way they played so fluidly, it was so gender fluid, really, the last day, the way it was just backs and forwards going all over the place, all out attacking football from James Horan's men. It was just fabulous to watch. And I think that's what you need to do. You know, we watched Cavan on Saturday. You know, absolute cowards, in my opinion. Didn't even throw a punch. This Mayo team are going to give it a right go. And I think we should be all getting a little bit excited now for Saturday week. Now, we've ruffled up a lot of feathers in Cavan the wrong way recently, but we may as well keep going in that rich vein in a form and say, you know, as well as them being a tight old shower of whores, they couldn't do us one favour. One favour is all we asked, and that was to pick up a few injuries of the dubs. You know, they had every chance to lay a hand on their own Conor Callahan, Brian Finton, Niall Scally, any of these lads, they could have took any of them out and we would have been thankful. But they just seem to hold a little bit in reserve. And let's hope that our Mayo team do not come up with that same attitude or they won't be long in that final. But I don't think they will. This Mayo team is playing with a, a helter-skelter brand of fist-first football that we very much approve of here at the podcast. I suppose we've been very full of our praises for James Horgan this year and the way he's assembled his Mayo boyines. And, you know, at the time of recording, this Mayo Press is getting an awful lot of discussion in some instances. In some cases, the Mayo Press has been praised as the number one reason why we're in the final. Now, we got a look at the Mayo Press and it's, as you'd expect, brown, two wooden handles, double doors. It's nice. You'd hang a few good jackets in it. You might hang your Corja Mayo or back gilet in it there over the winter months. But I don't know if it's all it's cracked up to be. I feel like if we go with this Mayo Press taking up one of our positions against Dublin, it'll be like having two Aidan O'Shea's in the full forward line if you have an actual wooden press cabinet style thing alongside him. You're going to have two very tall, quite slow players in there. So I'm not sure if that's the angle we want to go with. I'm not sure whether I completely agree or disagree with you there, TJ, but I'd have to say I would like to echo the sentiments that you've made at the very least. And what I would like to say is that you know, this Mayo Press is, I think, the real deal. And I think there's people out there who are saying that Mayo, they're a little bit open at the back. They're just not going to be tight enough. But I think this Mayo Press is well-built, well-structured, and it's going to ask a lot of questions of Stephen Cluxon. On the other hand, Cavan didn't do the same. They went out on Crow Park on Saturday evening, which could be best described at most was kind of a chest of drawers sort of approach. They didn't know whether they were in or out. They didn't know where to sit back. They didn't know whether to push forward. They just looked like a team. They looked like a Division 3 team, really, to be completely honest with you. So I think this Dublin team has managed to manifest their way to a final. But... Have they really been tested to get to this stage? I very much doubt it. But I am completely certain that there is going to be one big push in this Mayo team now. And if they haven't got a test up to now, they'll definitely be getting one come Saturday week. Now, have this Dublin team been tested? That's an extremely good question. Have they been COVID tested? Because if we get one little case in that camp, that's all we need, folks. One little case, give it a little bit of encouragement, a bit of a spread, a bit of an inbred spread, maybe. 
get the COVID flowing around that dressing room and perhaps you're going to have one or two guys not being able to play in the final. Even more so on top of that point, have these guys been drug tested? Because we've been talking about this to ourselves for many years and maybe we haven't put the point forward to the nation, to all of our followers in Mayo, Dublin, all around the globe. We want to go on the record here and say that we're pretty certain that we're about to suggest that this Dublin team are high on drugs. Because if you look at the transformation these guys have made athletically, physically, aerobically, I just think there's something a little bit fishy going on. And you know, with AIG involved, there'd be no expenses spared in terms of preparation. These boys could have the blood of Kenyan runners going through their veins at the moment, such as the way they were getting up and down the field the last day. And whatever about an unfairness in the system, if all the Dublin team are doping, well, it's very unfair on the rest of the teams, in my opinion. And as we should say, as always here at this point of the podcast, you know, these are merely just suggestions. We're merely shooting from the hip here at this stage. Who knows whether we're telling the truth or not. But one thing that I think is very, very certain and, you know, maybe Dublin are just training really hard. You know, maybe they are just working harder than the other 31 counties around the country. But one thing is for certain financial doping is very real and it has certainly happened in the case of Dublin GA. and I think here at Mayo we're back we have been beating that drum now for a long number of years and it was refreshing for us I think at the weekend to see that we were backed up across the country by so many more people who I suppose were echoing our sentiments I think that was nice to see for once you know we've obviously rubbed people up the wrong way a lot during our tenure here but mm. it was nice to see people really just agreeing with us for once because you know I suppose in our own country there's been you know our detractors and people who have been out to get us and or whatever but you know I think it's very clear now that something needs to be done about the dubs and people start talking about long term and stuff like that but definitely in the short term I am really looking forward to seeing Mayo go out and give them a real go as you said TJ earlier on there, you know, Mayo were playing with that fist first approach, you know, they're not afraid to go forward and they're not afraid to throw a few belts because as we've seen this year, there's teams there, bunches of cowards who are just seem to be afraid of their own shadow and don't seem to be able to lay a finger on these dubs. But I've no doubt we're going to see guys coming in with flying fists and, you know, just being really physical. Because I think that's what you need to do against Dublin. You can't be afraid of them. you got to go after them and you got to give them, you know, give as good as you get, you know. I absolutely agree with those sediments, Fat Larry. And the fist first approach has stood to us. If you go back and listen to us in our early incarnations in 2017, we were firm believers in the fisting then and we are just as much now today. And that was proven against Tipperary where we picked up five goals, three of them coming directly from the fist. So that showed me all that I needed to know about this Mayo team and where their heads are at this season. I was totally delighted to see it. And it's great to see as well Mayo were following the social distancing guidelines, you know, and the, you know, I suppose the public health advice that's been given to us from the government. You know, we're seeing, you know, Mayo score two fisted goals and both from the same household as well. So it's great to see the Mayo team are fisting themselves within their own family circles, which is great, of course. We saw Jeremy and his younger brother Killian O'Connor, who had a, you know, an absolutely record-breaking game. I'm sure we'll talk about him at a little bit more depth later on. But it's just nice to see Mayo are following guidelines. 
You know, we've got Tommy Conroy and the forwards up there. They're at least two metres out in front of their men at all times. They're not just cleaning their hands, they're cleaning out the opponents as well, which is absolutely fantastic to see. And the way Mayo just blew Tipperary away, it was absolutely brilliant to see. And I think... That's the kind of, you know, attack and football you need to win all Ireland's. You know, it's great to see. We've never had a corner forward from the Neil. So I think, you know, these kind of omens are good. There's a lot of firsts in this Mayo team, lots of new guys, lots of fresh blood. And a lot of these guys haven't even played Dublin before. They were too shite back in the Alliance League back in early 2020. I don't know what they were doing over COVID, but they improved very, very fast. So there's going to be no fear here. And a lot of these guys are playing in Crow Park for the first time. Fabulous, you know. And I think at this point of the podcast, I'd just like to say, because we haven't said it in a while, that Mayo are back and Mayo up Mayo. That's so true. And a couple of those guys that you're mentioning there, you're talking about the younger crop of guys that have come on the scene this year, whatever which way. Tommy Conroy, this guy, wow, he's already picked up little Tommy, little Tommy Nestor. He's got that at home sitting on the shelf. I don't know what about the other little Tommy. I don't want to don't even think about that right now. But his erect running style, once he bags that ball, he just turns and goes for the gals straight away. He's got a very erect running style, obviously was taught to him down in the kneel. Came through that sort of you know, line of South Mayo forwards, you know, like Con Mort, you know, he would have showed yeah. him exactly what to do. Sorry to cut across you there, No, it's TJ. no problem at all, Fat Larry. But I was just wondering, who is better looking, Tommy mm. Conroy or Jason Doherty? Ooh. Who do you think now? I just saw him there in the number 13 jersey the other day and, God, it just took me back to my younger days when, you know, I was going to Mayo games when we could go and I just remember thinking how fabulous Jason was in the 13 jersey. But I just couldn't help but think, is our current number 13 the most fabulous corner forward we've ever had? I suppose, Fat Larry, listening to you there, a lot of fans may agree with me here that your opinions right now are indicative of the Mayo fan at large. The Mayo fan who we've said has been the problem all along. The Mayo fan that as soon as they get a look at the next hot young prospect of the scene... They can forget about whoever they used to love last year, the year before. Gone. Retire them early. And you can be sure if we don't retire them early as a fan base, our mangers will fairly quieten them. When you only need to look at Kieran McDonald, the Mort, Adney Mornan, all men that were pushed out before their prime by their cunty mangers. And now we have even fans like Fat Larry trying to push Jason Doherty into retirement. Jason, come back. We miss you. We love you. We still think you're a very nice-looking man. Tommy Conroy, right, he's given you stiff competition. You've both given me stiff competition, but I have to say, on this one, I'm going to go with the old dog. No, it's nice to hear you, TJ, I suppose, give a little bit of kudos to the older players. You know, the the younger guys have been stealing all of the airtime and the column inches over the last couple of weeks. But it was great to see, come the big day, the All-Ireland semi-final, it was our old men that stood up to be counted in Crow Park the last day. And when you're looking at old guys, you're thinking of fellas like Killian, Aidan, and of course, the man in the sticks, David Clark, who was absolutely fantastic. I was reading in the Mayo News last week, Ed McGrail had a great stat there. He was talking about David Clark's kickouts, and I thought it was very interesting how David Clark has actually kicked 69% 
of his kickouts short this year. And as you wow. rightfully point, pointed out here a couple of weeks ago, David Clark has hit 100% of Mayo's kickouts this year. What was your take? Because he made some fantastic saves. What a goalie this guy is. Unbelievable fact, Larry. From the kickouts to the saves to what other aspects of there being a goalie are there? Uh, catching, shouting. I suppose he's doing a lot more shouting this year than in other years, which is great to see. We would have always referred to him as a shark. And we did think he was like a shark in some of the earlier days. And especially in terms of those kicking styles, he was like a shark. He'd sprayed the ball all over the park. Long-term fans of the podcast will know this. But this year, it's kind of coming to the fore a little bit more that he's actually not a shark at all. He's very much a starfish in the goal. And you can see that by the way he can extend his arms, his legs, his neck even as it were, into the kind of five tentacle-like points of a starfish. And no Tipperary man could really beat him, apart from the three goals that were obviously scored. Nobody could get past him because he can just cover that ball up, suck that ball in. He's got these... uh, You know, he's got his own enigmatic style of bagging up the ball and the players. And, you know... He can relate it to what he does on the day job. He'll often, a high ball will come in, he'll take it down under arrest, bring it into protective custody, and he might give it a slap on the wrist before fisting it long and hard down the pitch again. And that's great to see. That gives the players a lot of confidence all the way up the field, right throughout the lines. But I do think Davy Starfish Clark is making the difference this season. And he's done very well to maintain that 69% ratio in his kicking. And I think that bodes very, very well for coming up to the final have to say completely echo your sentiments there TJ just really like how you brought in you know the sea animal manifestation into it because I felt the last day I just couldn't help but be reminded of Spongebob Squarepants when I was watching David Clark the last day you know just the way he was you know all of the pressure coming on all of the shots coming in and he was just lapping it up soaking it up you know and he was just you know he wasn't going to be beaten except the 313 obviously that he conceded and stuff like that but that wouldn't have been his fault you know you're probably going to point the blame at guys further out the field for that but one thing you know as you men on the sideline maybe maybe men on the sideline you never know but like one thing we have to look at I think now is looking ahead to the final because I suppose there's going to be inbreds out there the length and breadth of the county you're going to be saying you know is David Clark putting us under a little bit of pressure on our kickouts? You know, he seems to be struggling a little bit to find his men. Now, granted, he's playing with some new midfield options this year. He's playing with a younger group of players. But could I make a suggestion here? You know, would there be any chance, TJ, in your opinion, that we would be able to have a kind of rotating system where we could have Davy Clark in goal, saving shots and fisting the ball out? and maybe getting Finton kick father Ruddy to come in and kick the ball out. Do you think that is something that could be feasible? Well, one of the things that's been praised to this Dublin team is the way they're able to look at other sports, other codes, other creeds, and impart, you know, some of the best philosophies from them into their own game and make these little adaptations that have got them so far ahead of everyone else. Not just the financial doping side of it. But yes, no, absolutely. When you look at the NFL type scenario, they've got a set kicker who jogs on, trots off after every play. Now, I know it would use up the Mayo subs quite quickly. We wouldn't have many subs to use throughout the course of the game. But instead of bringing on five or six substitutions, bringing on fellas that won't make much of a difference, you'd be better off bringing Finton Ruddy on and off throughout the course of the game just for the kickouts, as you say. And as soon as that kick is taken... 
get him swapped quick with Clarkey because he is an excellent shot stopper. Now, there's a lot of people out there, of course, who would have said, you know, if you're looking for tactical nuance, analysis and, you know, expert opinion, you'd steer well clear of the Mayo Back podcast. But there's a couple of things that I would like to get off my chest at this stage. And if I could just shoot from the hip for a couple of minutes here, as it were. I think last week we talked about, you know, in our tactical preview, we talked about how, you know, Killian O'Connor would be, you know, the danger man on this Mayo team. I think you said yourself, TJ, that he was going to blow his load all over tip and he was going to leave them in a right state all over the pitch and crow park on Sunday. And that proved to be absolutely true. I think I was proven right in that instance. 100%. One other thing that we suggested here last week was the role that Darren Cohen was going to have in this Mayo team. And I think we saw the last day he came on at the end and he did serious damage, you know, and I just like think, you know, it was fabulous to see, you know, one of South Mayo's most inbred players come on and have such a big impact the last day. I thought it was really, really promising to see, you know, we talked about Matty Ruan, of course, and how he was going to love the open expanses of Crow Park and he had... A fantastic game the last day other than that chronic pass that he gave away that led to Mayo almost conceding a goal very early on. But Of course he was advised to do that by your two favourite inbreds here who said, you know, let's get those one or two bad plays out of the way early on because once he has a bad play, he gets delivered a bollocking and once the bollocking has been delivered performance levels tend to up by 100%. So when it comes to the Dublin game, I hope he fucks up very, very early and that gets it out of his system and he goes on to have an absolute stormer just like he did last weekend and he's one guy that's going to have to have a phenomenal performance in and around Julian's of midfield because that battle is going to be crucial himself and novice to the sport Connor Loftus are going to have to mix it do the rough and tumble with the blue dubs there in the middle and I think that's where this game could be won lost or indeed drawn definitely the battle around Julian's in midfield is going to be Probably, as you said, one of the crucial areas in this All-Ireland final. Now, we think back to 2017, of course, one of the big strengths we had in that team was we had Tom Parsons, of course, in midfield, who was at his prime at that stage. Of course, he Mm. had a better injury record at that stage and was just, you know, absolutely flying. But one thing that we have to say about Tom, and it was there for everybody to see at the weekend Tom is as gorgeous as he's ever been you know in the Mayo jersey and we here at Mayo are back would put a big weight behind you know how the players are looking if you're looking good you're feeling good you're playing good and as we said last week we were on the money with this one again we weren't chastising him in a way but we were just a little bit disappointed with Lee Keegan's performances so far in the championship you know we'd just kind of noticed how scruffy he was looking and he just didn't look like a man who was you know presenting himself as well as he could but wow I mean the last day big improvement from Lee much improved no we've talked about it on this podcast already listeners will know we said that he's been making headlines for all the wrong reasons he's been all over the he's been the talk of the town with this sort of I don't know if it was a Movember effort or a coming up to Christmas effort I think he just like most of the lads in this group and the setup at the moment, they're listening to the podcast avidly. They're taking it all on board. They're going further than they have done in years, and this is great to see. Horn has this year embraced the Mayor Back podcast. We've seen big improvements in Mataruan, Stephen Cohn, Connor Loftus. The importance of our six and nine. 
These are all things that have been brought up over the course of this year. And if you told us in the first podcast this season we were going to manifest ourselves into an All-Ireland final in December, we would have said, we know. We've been calling it all year. This is the year that it ends, folks. 69 years. This is the curse breaker. And the curse will be broken with fellas like Jordan Flynn and Matthew Ruan for what they're getting up to off the pitch as much as on the pitch. We post an exclusive photograph during the week of them performing their now customary tombstone curse breaker position, which is set to totally baffle and bamboozle the dubs in the final and just let them roll over. This is the type of black magic that they would have been working on now after the Tipperary game. And what sort of curse-breaking hoodoo breakers can we possibly invest in and what can we look at doing differently this year? You know, one thing about playing Dublin is you're always going to have to try and throw a bit of a spanner in the works and kind of just bring something that maybe they haven't seen before. And I can be fairly certain that the dubs will have never seen anything like two Mayo players carrying each other around in that kind of 69 style um, position but I suppose it's fitting for the year that's in it you know it's been 69 years of course since we won Sam Maguire and I think it's just nice to see that the players are really paying homage to that and they're really playing up to the, the history and stuff like that you know and as you said this is the year it's going to end and you need to keep just reminding yourself and telling yourself now that it's going to end. And if it is, it'll make it even more sweeter when we go out and beat a fully professional Dublin team who are obviously cheating at such an alarming level. You know, it would really do wonders for us here in Mayo. And, you know... Look, they can throw whatever they want at us. They can tell us that, you know, we can't bring Sam Maguire back. We can't manifest it down to Mayo. But that's not going to stop us. You know, we're going to find a way to win. And, you know, we're going to find a way to party very, very hard over the Christmas now when Mayo end the curse. Yeah, and come hell or high water, that cup is coming home with us. And I'm not even talking about the Mayo team. I'm talking about the Mayo, our back group at large. We're going to be there. We're going to be thereabouts. That game will be going on and... John Horne might take his eye off the cup for a minute and we might have it even before half time as it were and we might have it halfway down the conga line to Mayo before the match is even over and sure whatever happens in the result then happens we always said we wanted to bring Sam home and that's it in whatever which way we manifest that to happen that's all that has to happen and going through the lines now on this team the last day a new player in every line of course Tommy Cumroy we've mentioned him already Rodney O'Donoghue is having a fine performance around the half forward line there Connor Loftus of course in his debutante in this season as well very much so Oh McLaughlin you've lauded Oh McLaughlin's half-baked performances all season Fat Larry I'd have to agree with you Oshin Mulligan he's brought a little bit of spunk to that cornerback position that we've needed and of course David Clark not very much a new player but I suppose an experienced player you know he would have been happy to get the the hoodoo off his back beating Tipperary for the first time in a hundred years and you know for him to play again today just as he did 100 years ago it shows something about you know it's a real testament to how long this guy's been around and how much of a professional he is you know there's a real nice balance as you said TJ in this Mayo team at the minute you know you've got the mixture of young and old you know you've got old guys like David Clark and Aidan O'Shea and these guys then you've got the young lads there like Oshin McLaughlin and Cullum Moran of course who are very good young players And you also have you know, that mixture of really really good looking guys and then some other guys that you know they're, they're nice to have around the panel and that but they wouldn't really do it for you you know that kind of way oh you need those you know you want, and you want to get those guys 
if you're good looking enough, you're old enough, as far as I can see, you know, and you've got to get them out on the field, you know, and you got to, you know, you got to get your best looking players out there and make sure they're all fitting well. And I think, you know, that's that seems to be the way that James Horn has managed to do it now this season, you know, but I think we're going to need a big performance in the final now from the Mayo bench. You know, we're going to, we're, it's going to be a real squad effort. You're going to need... You know, all mm-hmm. of the guys playing well, you know, I suppose Mayo would have, you know, quite quite a deep panel, you know, that have nearly had, you know, probably up, up on maybe 68, maybe even 69 players in training at the start of the year, you know, when James Horn was looking for all his new players. And that depth now is going to be really, really tested, I think, against Dublin. You know, we were saying here last week, you know, we received a little bit of flack, you know, but... We mentioned him nonetheless, you know, guys like Brendan Harrison is a guy who were maybe missing a little bit, you know. There is a little worry, I think, that this Mayo team has got maybe too many half-bakes and not enough full-bakes, you know, when you look at the way our defenders are bombing forward, you know, maybe we're lacking that little bit of steely toughness at full-back. We're probably going to need it, you know, obviously the Dubs have got some, some very good forwards and... You know, they've got guys like Conal Callahan, they've got Kieran Kilkenny, and they've got, got obviously their professional free-taking coach, Dean Rock, as well. You've got a bit of an axe to grind about him now, don't you? I do, absolutely. I thought it was quite a disrespectful act from Dean Rock in Saturday night in the AIG Crow Park, sponsored by Bertie Ahern. To see him just, you know, nonchalantly walking over to the his opposite number, the Cavan free-taker after the game, and offering him on the pitch 500 euro per hour free taking lessons before the game was even over I thought it was a disgraceful act and it says a lot about this Dublin team you know they just I suppose they think they're so fucking great and that's about Dublin people at large Fat Lair. I wouldn't contain it to just the team in this instance I would say that Dubs in general they're a very insular bunch this idea of them not caring about the plight of Mayo people this is not just a, a, a footballing phenomenon this is you know the football is merely a microcosm of their attitude to Mayo and country people in general and, and it disgusts me Dean Rocker Dean Stone or whatever you want to call him you know rubbing the Cavan free takers face in it saying you know what I'll show you how to kick it over the bar a bit better than that he'd remind you of his his Dublin counterpart Bernard Brogan who formerly took the freeze in that position before he was too old and changed. He now has come out and said a lot of inflammatory comments about Mayo people. He doesn't think anyone is working hard on kicking their freeze. He doesn't think anyone from Mayo goes to the gym. Well, I can tell you here and now, Bernard Brogan, I've been outside the Mayo gym for the last fortnight and I've seen them all in there. And they're looking well. They're strong lads. They're physical guys on and off the pitch, in and out of the gym, as it were. And to see you turning around with that level of disrespect... And I know you're saying that you don't want Dublin to be split. Well, I'll tell you something. I'd like to see you split with a headbutt. If you were still playing now with this game, I'd be instructing the Mayo boys to be getting stuck into you right from the get-go. Bernard, you know, coming out saying that, you know, free takers around the country aren't training as hard. You know, we kind of forget at times that it is an amateur sport we're playing here. And it's very easy to practice your freeze five days a week you know Monday to Friday nine to five when that is your job and when you're charging 2,000 euro to you know pass your skills on to young kids all around the country and I think that kind of sums up this Dublin team this is an amateur organization there's you know people all over the country who are volunteering their time and you know training and passing on their knowledge and skills and you just see this Dublin team now they think that they're good enough to you know 
charge 500 euro just for a couple of free taken lessons I think it's it's a shambles and one thing I think we won't miss from this final is having to listen to them um, standing above on Hill 16 you know it's going to be much more enjoyable from our point of view obviously we've had some good crack and we got in some good scraps with dubs down through the years above on the hill but you know you might miss it a little bit but you definitely won't be listening to all the shite that they're spluttering you know and how great they are sure you know if they couldn't win with 16 million euro a year being pumped into them by Bertie Ahern and Jason Sherlock sure what hope would they have really yeah we always got into it on the hill with them and we certainly won't miss them but our players certainly won't miss us either in that sense because you know it's obvious now at this stage with this Mayo team playing so well I mean I saw them playing a patient passing possession type brand of football that as a fan base we simply would not allow to happen you know when you see the ball being retained in and around the halfway line that's the kind of thing that drives me buck wild altogether the type of thing that has me wanting to just run onto the pitch take the ball off Paddy Durkin and drive up the pitch myself but you know maybe that's not not the worst tactic we've ever had Dublin on the other hand they keep talking about this golden generation do you know who the golden generation are? John Costello, John Bailey, Bertie Ahern and Sean Kelly. The four men that decided to pump £16 million every year into the dubs for 16 years until they were able to win the 16th Sam. That's an axe that we certainly have to grind and I hope hopefully we've ground that axe now over the course of this evening. Merton hit me an unmeasurable one. Did you deserve it? No, no, no. No. Why? I got up. You hit him back. No, I didn't hit him back at all. I hit him back with one four. One four? One goal and four punts. Come back fucking zero. Why? Because I was simply the best of the time. I hit him back with one four. I hit him back with one four. I hit him back with one four. You understand that, don't you? One goal and four punts. One goal and four punts. You understand that, don't you? I hit him back with one four. That's one of the reasons that Matthew McDermott won't ask me to win. So we can go out in the All Ireland final and we can try and come up with you know all sorts of tactics and double marking and sweepers and full press and half press and chest of drawers and all kinds of stuff but at the end of the day the real stars in this Dublin team will be sitting in their living rooms at home usually they'd be sitting in their nice plush seats in the Hogan stand you know definitely having not paid in like the average Joes and stuff like that probably haven't attended a club game in 20 years but it's guys like Bertie Ahern that are the real stars of this Dublin team. You know, the guys who can go out and convince, you know, the European Union to throw 20 million a year at Dublin GAA. They'll probably tell you that it was to, I don't know, probably keep kids off the streets and stuff like that. I wouldn't believe that for a minute. You know, it was all a ploy. It was all, you know, I suppose a, a way of, you know, rewarding Kieran Whelan for never getting to win anything. You know, put 16 million in a birthday card for him. Desi Farrell there, Jason Sherlock, the whole lot of them. They're all a disgrace. Pat Gilroy, they felt awful bad for him because his Dublin team kept getting rimmed 
they got an awful hockey from Tyrone and Kerry so he's been the biggest benefactor he's gotten the most money off them and seeing him on the Sunday game of Sunday night was the biggest disgrace of it all himself and your man McEntee from County Meath now there was two fellas that hadn't one scrap of preparation done they hadn't a note between them they were talking out of their arse for the guts of half an hour and I have to say it reminded me very much of the Mayo Are Back podcast in that sense I think they made a big mistake in terms of who they chose to go on. You know, I think we would have done a lot better. You know, we would have at least maybe taken the time to write down a couple of things. Some things would probably have been true, but there, I'm sure there would have been a few little um, white lies thrown in there as well. But that would have been an awful lot better than what we saw. I just thought it was like the greatest pub talk you've ever saw. Like you've got Des Cattle there, of course, who's yeah. of course a member of... Kula, who are sponsored, of course, by Huawei, who are, you know, are pumping, you know, 50 million a year into that particular club. And that's a club as well who are completely built on people from the countryside who are too inbred just to get on with it up in Dublin. They have to bring the country with them and they have to set up a big GAA club. You know, and this is kind of, this sums up the Dublin team. You know, you look at, you know, guys, the Dublin team, you know, Colin Baskell there came on for Dublin the last day. He's he's from between Strait and Balavari originally. His old man would have fought with General Humbert back in 1798 and it's not it doesn't end just there you know you've got guys like James McCarthy of course he's uh, originally from up the country somewhere I, I didn't take the time to find out where but I'm sure he is and no doubt there's a load more of them as well I, I definitely say there is you know Cluxton then you know he's not even from this planet at all he's as he's as dour and drab and boring a man as you'll ever see and you know, nothing would make me happier than to see him, you know, have that, you know, I wouldn't say the smile wiped off his face, but it would be nice to see him with the same smile or the same face that he has always had on, uh, but this time having not won. Because you wouldn't fucking know whether the lad was winning or losing or anything. He's just so boring, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, they talk about this Dublin behemoth and they say the population is a big problem. 1.4 million people versus give or take 160,000 Mayo inbreds. I mean, I wouldn't let that bamboozle me one bit. Mayo's record against teams with large populations is very good. We have routinely beaten London and New York over my experience as a Mayo fan. So I think if we bring the same mentality and the same approach as we have to those games and treat this Dublin game as, you know, a day out, as it were, a trip up to the capital, you know, you're up going to be up near to Christmas Maybe James Horn will allow the players to go to 7-Up on ice the night before, the panto if it's on, or, you know, even just getting the Christmas shopping done on the morning of the game. Those kind of things that will keep the Mayo players grounded as they go into it. I think it's definitely a right idea for them. Well, one thing that, you know, the Mayo team would never have had to put up with in previous years, you know, was the excitement and the nervousness of the All-Ireland final, you know, taking place. And also that would be mixed in with the excitement for Santa to come because I know in particular there's a couple of guys in this Mayo team who are going to be very, very excited for Santa. I know the Mayo team, you know, they got down there a couple of weeks ago. I think they went down to Limerick last weekend just to kind of lock themselves away for the weekend to just make sure that their Santa letters were written correctly and that they made sure that they put in all of the nice things that they wanted. 
you know, I know one guy in particular, Aidan O'Shea now, he's going to be very, very much looking forward to Santa coming. He's even put a camera on his chimney, you know, to see Santa. And he's going to get his footage, you know, of Santa emptying his sack in down his chimney and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see now if the nerves will get to them. Because as we said here before, maybe the lack of fans in the stand will make it a little bit easier. But Santa now coming... And the All-Ireland final coming on the same week. That's a lot for a young Mayo player, particularly all these young kids that we have in this Mayo team. Well, I hope these kids have written those letters. I hope they've penned them and legibly. And I hope that, you know, the, t- the number one thing on those lists is Sam Maguire. I hope they have made it loud and clear that all I want for Christmas is Sam. And as you say, Aidan is going to be watching Santa. Well, he'll be taking inspiration from that because I've been saying for quite a few months that Aidan could be my Santa. If he does come back to Castlebar on the 19th of December with his Sam in his sack and he gets to empty that out on the mall, that's going to be all my Christmases come at once. And let's talk about the moment that Mayo do win the All-Ireland. We are expecting the heavens to open. There's a lot of inbreds out there, folks, that are just waiting for one thing and one thing only. Mayo to win, Sam, and their job is done. They will be ascending into the heavens in the early hours of the night after that game is over, happy with their shift that they've put in on the earth. I think it's absolutely disgusting as well, speaking of Christmas presents and Aidan O'Shea's massive sack. I think it's absolutely disgusting that John Horgan, the president of the GA, a dub, a big dirty dub we might add, he didn't even have enough. His five All-Ireland titles in a row isn't enough. John Horgan is planning on taking the contents of Aidan O'Shea's sack and keeping it all for himself this Christmas. And he's going to probably empty it all over his own living room this year somewhere in Dublin, probably living beside Crow Park or something. But I, for one, I won't be one bit happy now if Mayo aren't allowed bring Sam Maguire home. Feck the COVID at this stage. And I think we can all kind of echo those sentiments here. The vaccine is on the way. I'm sure it won't matter anyways. If we win the All-Ireland, that will be the cure for the Mayo fever. So it doesn't matter if we're all going drinking out of Samuel Maguire after that. The pandemic will be over. Mayo fever will have ended. I mean, we've put up with it for 69 years now. You know, people talk about COVID-19 and it's been going on six months since March. Us and Mayo have been living through a pandemic for 69 bloody years. Now, we need this to end. And if John Horgan doesn't let us bring Sam Maguire home after the final, I'm going to be right thick now, so I am. And the easing of restrictions is very worrying because once you let those shutters loose, what you're doing is you're letting the inbreds into the bars, into the pubs. They're going in for substantial meals and they're coming out with substantial amount of shite being talked. Their heads are getting filled with notions of... You know, they think they have it before the game is won. They're getting right riled up. The green and red mist is descending in some quarters. Sure, that game we were watching last weekend, we couldn't even see the telly half the time, what with all the green and red mist that was coming down onto the pitch. We saw the red mist came over Lee Keegan when he went and pulled down his man, keeping himself fresh for the final, maybe, I don't know. But there certainly is quite a pandemic at the moment, and we'd say that Mayo fans, you need to find your Mayo fever bubbles. You need to... Get five or six like-minded inbreds and half-bakes, just like your good self. And they're the people you need to be hanging around and express your Mayo fears and your Mayo thoughts to them. 
I found it so hard there the last day now and I don't know how that's going to manifest itself now and as we head to the final you know but from half time onwards lads I was not seeing anything that was going on at the pitch you know and you know maybe I'm just going to have to resort to listening to to the game on the radio and and watch the game through the eyes of Rob Murphy and Martin Carney you know and that mightn't do me any good either you know that might make the whole thing an awful lot worse and it might I suppose manifest myself into an awful kind of fit of Mayo fever but you know hopefully that the the players you know down at pitch level would still be able to see a little bit because I know from up in the stand now and on the TV cameras you know you just can't see anything anymore that, that's a bit of a worry I think and if that's the case should the final even be going ahead in Crow Park in that instance because there's no fans there there's no trophy to be lifted up. There's no need to have it there whatsoever. I mean, you're not trying to appease the dubs and try and milk the cash out of them. Why not have this game at a neutral venue? And why not have this game somewhere where we've done well, maybe Hyde Park? I'm sure we'd get great support from our Rossi neighbours there. They'd only love to see us bringing Sam home in their own backyard. But I mean, we've avoided the back door. We've gone the direct route. We've done things the right way. The county board have been very quiet. No scandals. They're letting the team do their thing. It's a brand new team, full of jizz, full of spunk. And I think that they're going to put Dublin to the sword. Now, I'd have to completely and utterly disagree with you there for a minute. I'd hate to think that this game now will be played in Hyde Park. Because Hyde Park is an awful shithole. Where I think the game should be played, it should be played in John Prenty's dome above in Beacon. And I tell you why. That's neutral ground. That's not Mayo ground, that's Connacht ground, Connacht GA ground. So the dubs can't say, you know, that we're getting to play the game on home soil. Anyways, it's out in East Mayo, that's a foreign outpost anyways, that's not even football country, that's hurling country, that's neutral territory, it's a bit like the Gaza Strip, as you said before. But you just can't rely on the weather. You know, you've got Mayo fever, COVID-19, and with the cold snap coming now, we could be six foot underneath the snow come the 19th of December. I think... The game should be played, shoved up in John Prenty's inflated bag beyond in, in Ballyhonas. I think it'd be great to see, and it'd be a great now, it'd be a great way of opening it up. You know, they said that there'd never be any big inter-county games there. Little did we think that COVID-19 was going to come along. I think we're best to play it indoors in the safety of the dome. And the great thing about that dome is it can go where, you can move it wherever you want. All you have to do is light the fire and the hot air balloon aspect of it just takes it off up into the air and it glides around. You could play that match at 15,000 feet in terms of altitude. You could play it above Dublin, above Mayo. You could play it above in the Antarctic, wherever you want. Wherever you want John Prenty's hot air balloon to go, he'll bring it there as long as the price is right. And there's more hot air in that dome that's coming out of half these Mayo players' arses at the minute. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we've always said a Mayo player with his dander up is a, is a confident one, it's a cocky one, and it's a dangerous one, as we saw the last day. So hopefully now the five goals, the 520, you know, Killian scoring four goals and nine points, you know, hopefully his confidence is going to be, you know, sky high heading into the final now. And, you know, that's what we'll need. You know, we'll need guys to be, Killian and guys like this to be very cocky, you know, because I think the dubs are going to be that way as well. You know, they don't give a shite about Mayo and we shouldn't give a shite about them either. I suppose Rochford always had us, you know, respecting the teams we were coming up against. And that's one of the reasons why we used to struggle our way through those qualifier games. Because if you start offering respect to the likes of Clare or Derry, you're going to find yourselves in a game with them. Fermanagh, Westmead, think of all the shitlers we've come up against before. Mm-hmm. It's when you have absolutely no respect for your opposition. Like last week against Tipperary in that first half, 
we actually gave them a sympathy vote in the second half by letting them run in a goal in or two. But in that first half, we played like a team with their head right up their own asses. And for me, that's where you want to see the Mayo team coming in this time of year. Because they're a really a Mayo player with his head up his ass is a dangerous, dangerous animal in Crow Park. Now, last week I received a lot of flack, you know, when people were saying that I was showing nothing but disrespect and looking down on the Tipperary team. But yet again, like we said, we weren't too far wrong in our analysis of the game last week. You know, we rightly said here that Tipperary are footballing minnows. We shouldn't look down at them. We should look through them. And that's what was going to get us to the final. I think the 520 kind of speaks for itself. You know, I'm sure there were inbreds all around kind of rolling their eyes at me and saying, you know, this guy talks an awful lot of shit. But yet again, in a sense, I suppose we were kind of proven right really last week. You know, Mayo are, you know, Mayo are back and Mayo are a, a big footballing county and Tipperary are just, you know, they're Division 3 minnows and they shouldn't be even put out in the same pitch as this Mayo team. So true. And it's time to double down on that ignorance now, Fat Larry. It's time to say something similar about Dublin. Because when Mayo fans get to an All-Ireland final, that's a time when Mayo fans throw the form book out the window. They start to forget about all of the existing problems we have, both in the squad and at an administrative level in the county, fundraising-wise and every other which way. All of those things are forgotten about. And we zone in and focus in on one thing, Sam, and winning Sam. And nothing else other than winning Sam will do in this instance, in my opinion anyways. Because, you know, when we get Mayo fans together, we can't entertain for one second that we're not going to win. We don't want negativity. We don't want fans talking about some of the old finals we've lost down through the years. We want them going rightly, rightly blindly behind this Mayo team and just back in a, a 10 or 12 point Mayo win not just a Mayo might scrape the win or not just you know if a few things go right for them but right from the get-go Mayo fans need to start saying we're going to beat Dublin by five or six points. Now speaking of fundraising and the troubles that we've had in this county it'd be remiss of us I suppose before we go not to thank all of those people who have gotten behind us so far this season the Corjameo are back who of course are the ones who are keeping this whole podcast on the road we have been inundated as well in the last couple of weeks with people getting in touch and looking for some of the nice Mayo are back Christmas cards and postcards that we have been sending out you know fundraising has been going very very well it's going good and we just like to tell the inbreds out there that they are still very much available. They're still on sale and your purchase, as we said here, will benefit some a local uh, charity. Of course, we'll be donating a large chunk of the profits to Western Alzheimer's, which of course is a great, you know, Mayo charity and up Mayo and support Mayo and support local this Christmas and stuff like that. So thank you very much to all of the inbreds who have you know donated so generously and as we said spread that little bit of inbred cheer wherever you go now in the lead up to the Christmas these postcards you'll find no better way of doing it. Now one thing that possibly hasn't been said enough this year is Mayo do 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 and I think Mm -hmm. that's something that we should be disappointed about and I'm a little bit worried about it if I'm being quite honest In other years, as fans, we've got to employ this Mayo do-do-do style approach right from the get-go. As long-time listeners and fans of this podcast will know that it's one of the foundation stones upon which the podcast has been built. It's right up there with fisting in terms of its importance in our eyes. So Fat Larry and I will, you know, we'll start our Mayo manifestations, our mentalization and our mantra chanting of, you know, 
Mayo, do, do, do. We'll have it ringing around in our heads. We'll have it, you know, we'll be letting it slip. You know, we meet people that we haven't seen for a while. We'll say it to them straight away. People who aren't from Mayo don't know the first thing about it. We'll tell them, Mayo, do, do, do. And if we Mayo, do, do, do enough, the Mayo team will hopefully do, do, do the business in Crow Park. Fuck your ref. Up Mayo. Fuck the dubs. This kind of stuff now. you got to just get it out there. You know, do it whenever you can. You know, no time is inappropriate. You know, if you're in the supermarket, if you're in mass, you know, anything like that. You know, it's this kind of mental preparation. You know, it's not just, you know, showing up at training or showing up for the games. you got to prepare all the time. Just like our players are, guys. You know, they're out there now. They're training. They're eating well. They're drinking lots of water. You know, they're doing their stretches and all sorts of you know, fabulous, you know, ideas that we'd only love to be there to see. Um, But we as fans need to match that now in our preparation. And we can leave no stone unturned now in the next, you know, 10 or so days we build up to the final. You got to just get yourself into, you know, the right mindset now, the right inbred mind frame to really get behind the lads. And I've no doubt if we do that and if we leave no stone unturned now, like the Mayo players, we are going to be ready to go come five o'clock on Saturday week. Now, we're going to keep ramping up in our preparation for the big game. I suppose we're going to extend the invite to all fans, cordial or otherwise, to send us in questions for our next episode, which will, of course, be the Up For The Match special. We haven't done one of those in a couple of years, and we'll be very much looking forward to getting back at it. So if you want to get your questions in for that, do send them in on the Instagram or the Twitter. We'd be more than happy to delve in and divulge mm. into the big topics that you're looking for. Because as we saw during our Instagram Q&A, Fat Larry, this is a very clever Mayo fan base. They're very clued in. They really know what's going on. They know how to ask some of the tough and pertinent questions that they wouldn't be asking in yeah. other countries. We're lucky to have fans like that. Definitely. And I think just before we go, I think it would be important to say, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, Mayo fever has taken hold in a big way. We're getting a lot of new followers on board. There's a lot of new inbreds coming out from under the rocks there in the last couple of weeks who are listening to the podcast. And it's, you know, it's absolutely fabulous to see that you're enjoying them and or whatever. But we would always say to people, you know, we've been doing this podcast and for a long time now, you know, we've got four seasons of podcasts there. You'll find them on SoundCloud and you'll find them on Spotify and whatever. You know, we did an Up For The Match special Hard to believe it's over three years ago now, but, you know, some of the listeners, the, the the day one listeners would have been reminded of it the last day when we did our Instagram live from Mason Balnalak, you know. If you go back to the first season of the podcast, the last time we played Dublin, you'll find a, a, a real, you know, shit fest of an Up For The Match special. We had Enda Vardy was on here, Con Mort joined us, all sorts of fellas joined us in Balnalak there. So I know it's old, but head back to the to the early days and really kind of listen to them manifest yourself into a real state of inbredness and come Sunday week you know you're going to have done everything you can to make sure you're as half-baked as you know humanly possible the listeners will know that we're as half-baked now as we were then we haven't improved in any which way this podcasting you know it's been a nice outlet for us but it really wouldn't have helped our mental state in any way down through the last few years but I suppose this podcast the comparisons can be drawn to it between this podcast and the Mayo team there is a symbiotic relationship there when one of us is going well the other one is going well as well and you know this podcast like the Mayo team has gotten a little bit more cynical this year we've cut out a lot of the outside noise and you know we're just filling ourselves with our own shite and that's what you have to do you know if you have to believe and we very much believe and if we believe now we can achieve 
Fair. Yeah, I couldn't put it better myself. And I don't think, you know, we could end the podcast on a more positive note than that. You know, it's been another whirlwind. It's great to be still here. We're going to have, as you said, a big one next week. You know, if you thought the rest, the last few were bad, you, you need to only just wait to see how bad next week is going to be. Um, it's going to be fabulous. Get yourself right now. Get yourself in that kind of inbred state of mind and just keep telling yourself that this is it now this is the year this is when it all ends this is you know meant to be it's written in scripture it's written in stone we're gonna do it and mayo are back thanks very much for listening folks playing us out today with a song that's not just a song but also more than a song very much a way of life in a way that song is up mayo by porrick stevens and before we start the song i myself would just like to say up mayo Anam Manahal Anam Jay Something is starting in the same old way So welcome to Connacht Ah, wouldn't you know That you'd be going someplace special When you're going Up my own Wherever you go